Hello, is this thing on? Of course it is. They can definitely hear us. Yeah, we're in our fourth season. There's no silencing us now. Welcome to the Gritty Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion on health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And I'm Sarah Fung, and we are your podcast hosts. Please make sure that you subscribe to our new YouTube channel where you can watch our podcast in video format. Please hit the subscribe button. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, leave us a rating and review. Hi, everyone. Welcome this week to uh, another episode of the Greeners Podcast. May look a little bit different this week, but we had to change up the settings just for this week. But we have a really interesting episode, and I think it's going to be important to have this conversation because it was really this video I saw was unlike anything I've ever experienced in my entire nursing career. And, you know, I think that we have to, we, we've talked about on previous episodes, maybe we haven't, maybe we should, but, you know, I think we've discussed stuff that happens in long-term care in terms of, you know, elder abuse. But one of the things that we haven't discussed is what happens when there's actually abuse in the neonatal intensive care unit, which is Mm -hmm. to me unheard of. Like this was something when I saw this video, I was shocked because it's actually something that I don't know, maybe you can kind of chime in too, Sarah. It's actually something I've never really heard very much about. And of course, when I start to dig a little bit deeper, I found that there were many more things. But maybe before I get into it, Sarah, do you want to give maybe just a high level of what actually happened in this particular case and where it happened? Yeah, so this is a case that actually took place in New York in um, an NICU there. So this hits close home for me because I was an NICU nurse. And like you said, this is completely unheard of. It's nothing that I would ever have thought of could happen in an intensive care type situation where infants are so sick, they're basically clinging on to life. So um, this story really starts there. And um, there was a couple that was observing their newborn son through a window, and they happened to be videotaping it. And they videotaped the nurse looking after the son actually slamming the baby face down onto the bassinet. It looked like in the video that she was turning him, but it was almost like violently turning him onto his uh, stomach. And I think in this day and age, I'm really glad in this case for the use of technology, because I think back to if this had happened 10, maybe 20 years ago, it would be sort of their word against the nurse. But there's actual video evidence of this happening. So what happened was they uh, confronted the nurse and they were really upset. They were saying that it broke them to see their infant being treated this way. And um, they actually credited divine intervention for the timing, for the fact that, you know, it happened when they were able to see and they did record it. And they were really upset by this whole thing. So the mom in this case confronted the nurse. Um, Hospital staff and administrators got involved, who also confronted the nurse. She didn't directly admit to anything, which I found interesting, but she was apologetic. She said, oh, no. If you think I mishandled him or anything, I'm sorry. The hospital did conduct an investigation and they ultimately did fire her. So she no longer works at that hospital. The health department is also involved because this is actually an ongoing investigation, which makes me wonder if there are more layers of the onion to peel back. But the good news is this baby is now safely at home with his family, even if um, little things like irregular breathing are making him feel nervous. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe the first thing to say is like, what was your first reaction? Like, like my first reaction was like, it was so jarring. And I, I think maybe what we could do is we could run the clip. Um, and then just a trigger warning to anybody who's had a child who's been in the NICU. We just want to let you know before we show this video that you, you, you are aware that it is a video unfortunately, of a, a newborn baby, two, two, two days old, um, being handled this way in the NICU. Baby Nico is home, but his parents are angry after what happened in the NICU at Good Samaritan Hospital in West Islip. Anger, hurt. I was upset. Like, it was terrible. Nico's dad went to visit him in the nursery and started recording him crying through the window when he captured this. The video appears to show a nurse roughly picking up Nico, slamming him face first back into the bassinet. I don't know, it just broke me. I, I didn't know what to do. It was heartbreaking too, like I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't even sleep. Consuelo confronted the nurse. She also showed the video to hospital leaders, though it pained her to watch the video again and again. I told her, I'm like, I don't want you to touch my child. Like, you just slammed him. And then she was like, oh, no, no. If you think I mishandled him or anything, I'm sorry. In a statement, a hospital spokesperson said immediate action was taken, including an investigation and terminating the individual involved. Keeping our patients safe remains our paramount concern. She shouldn't be taking care of At nobody. All. All. Absolutely nobody. The first time parents say baby Nico is doing well at home. Fidel is thankful he decided to check on his son when he did. And I'm happy I was there. God sent me. That's what I told her. God, if it wasn't for God to send me to, to go over there and check on him, we would have never seen none of that happen. And I would have kept happening through the night, not only to him, but to the other babies too. A hospital spokesperson told us they did report the nurse to the Department of Health. As for a police investigation, well, Suffolk County police say no one has come forward to file a report. Reporting from West Islip, Paisy Cheng, News 4, New York. Okay, so again, we just watched that video and my first reaction is, how could this happen? Like, there is no way that something like this should even be allowed to happen. And I think it goes back to even looking at the differences between, you know, our systems and the U.S. system. And then also just the fact that, like, maybe this nurse should never have been working in this type of department at all. Because I think that, you know, I think about these screening questions that most people have for jobs, right? So, like, and I think that it's, like, maybe for nursing, there should be, like, psych screening questions or something. Because it's just, I can't see how... Anybody in their right mind, anybody who has a conscience would treat a two-day-old baby in this manner. It was very, very aggressive in terms of how that how that nurse flipped a baby. And if you've ever held a baby, a newborn baby, you're like, it's this thing that might just slip out of your hands. You're super careful. And I saw nothing but careless, carelessness and recklessness. Right. And you think about it, this is called the neonatal intensive care unit for a reason. So these babies aren't just your healthy newborns. They are sick. They're there for a reason. And so to think that this nurse felt that she could treat an infant that way, I think the really sad thing is she probably thought that they weren't watching and that it was okay to do that. And she probably, to be honest, might have gotten away with it. And I also think about the fact that they fired her. But is that enough? Like, should we not look at doing more such as 
making sure that all the staff are trained, that they're aware of what happened. And I think I think part of what I think about as a former NICU nurse is that we used to practice an approach called family integrated care, where we actually wanted families at the bedside for as long as possible. And I just think the setup of the way that this particular unit was set up either didn't allow for it or maybe didn't encourage families to be at the bedside. So in this case, they're watching from behind the window. I think they should have been right there at the bedside, actually maybe even participating in whatever care that was. And I also kind of think like there was some talk about like, should there have been video cameras? I don't know if that's the total solution. Like, I think that's just more like there's that's more policing, right? But we need to get down to the root issue of why this happened and make sure it doesn't happen again. And if it could happen there, I'm kind of thinking about other units of the hospital, too. Of course. Well, I mean, I think that if we even back it up a little bit, just to think about, you know, the fact, like, like, like you said, what, what are the type of babies that we might even see end up in the NICU? Well, like you said, they're sick babies. It could be that there might've been some form of trauma in, in birth where the baby might need some extra support. It could be because they're like, maybe the baby was having issues breathing. Like there's a whole slew of reasons a baby might end up in an ICU. And I think this particular baby was actually there for observation. So all the more reason to just be like, okay, you know, um, maybe if the baby hadn't gone, this wouldn't have happened. But again, it shouldn't have happened anyways. But just even thinking about the fact that like, you kind of mentioned a couple different measures that should be put in place. And you mentioned that, you know, cameras don't, don't necessarily solve it. One of the things that I did see in this article was that there were like curtains and the curtains were like drawn. And really the only reason that the father was able to capture this was there was like a little peek in the curtain and he just was, I guess he just wanted to record his baby and he caught this. This is where I think that, you know, when we are looking at modeling NICUs and modeling these spaces where essentially, like you said, we want to see more integrated models of care, we should really be very cognizant that they should be forward facing. People should be able to see um, what's happening with their child and how they're being interacted. And I know that I saw the, the hospital said the reason why they have the NICU set up that way is, is because of privacy and security. But I think that we need to start thinking about innovation and how to be a little bit more innovative in terms of how you set up the NICU. ICU. And there's that, like I said, there is that difference between different care models here in Canada versus the US where um, I guess what we would call it here is rooming in. It's um, a part of the baby friendly initiative. And that's essentially there are no nurseries here in terms of, you know, you have a baby and your baby gets whisked off to a nursery so you can kind of recuperate for the first 24 hours. That does not exist here at all. You have a baby, they put the baby on your chest, skin to skin, and that baby is yours until you discharge, you are leaving the hospital. But I know that in the States, and I know some hospitals are moving away from this, but essentially there was this kind of, this whole nursery aspect where the baby would be born, they would take the baby to a nursery, and for the first 24 hours, the baby's looked after by the nursing staff. And I think that, you know, this... Um, this model of rooming in might be a safer model. It might be safer for a number of reasons because it gives you one, the opportunity to bond with your baby and two, the opportunity for you to be a part of that care. And I think that, you know, if we had a different amount, if there was a different model of care, maybe it would have been prevented. But again, at the end of the day, this nurse is just an asshole. She's an awful person. She should she shouldn't be working with children. Again, I personally think she should be prosecuted outside of the jurisdiction of the hospital walls. I believe that that is an that is assault, and you know I think she should be charged with a fel felony. Yeah, it's like you brought up so many interesting points. So I think number one, um, this idea that there is 
a nursery that all babies need to go to. I think this is something you see a lot in movies, but does it not make sense to have the parents there to provide actually some of the care? So number one, they know their baby the best. So research has shown that when you involve uh, parents, there's actually fewer med errors, outcomes are better. And just from a practical standpoint from hospital administration, it's actually less work to keep babies near their parents because the parents want to be part of it so they want to do some of the work like there's different layouts for units but like you said Amy the newer way to have units is to have private or even semi-private rooms for each infant so that parents can have the privacy that they need the old model is like you have this big giant room which I used to work in and you've got like 40 beds right and you've got these little curtains and you're like trying to find chairs for everyone it's it's chaotic but even then we were still able to make sure that parents were always able to see the care we were providing. And even just going back to what you said, when I worked postpartum, we never did anything without at least one parent being there. So if there was, let's say, an emergency and we had to bring the baby to the resuscitation area, we would at least say like to one of the parents, come with us so you can see what's happening because we don't want to erode that trust. We want to build trust. We don't want, like if I was that parent and I saw the baby or the nurse slamming my baby down, I would have lost complete trust in that hospital. I would want to even move my baby to another hospital if that was possible. Yeah, I mean, I think I think maybe there's going to be some folks out there that disagree with me in terms of this whole idea of rooming in. Like I was reading on parents.com where they're talking about, you know, we are actually trying to, there There are more and more nurseries that are closing across American hospitals. And, and here's why they said, here's why it's bad. And I was reading the article and it really struck me the fact that the the main concern of why they're saying it's bad is because they're like, well, women need rest after you have a baby. These are the kind of things that we need to do. And I fundamentally kind of disagree. I, I think that at the end of the day, you know, it's this is a natural experience. If we were, you know, if we didn't have hospitals and all these different things, we'd have we'd have our community support so the people around us to help help us but at the end of the day that responsibility still is our own and i mean i think that i i personally believe that you know that does give you opportunity to bond it does give you an opportunity if if breastfeeding is what you'd like to do to start those early interventions to to start um uh, feeding in that manner and i just feel that you know maybe it's a maybe it's we as a culture should change our ideas in terms of, you know, birth and having children aren't, it's, it's not a purse. It's not like this luxury item that, you know, now you've had this great thing. You get to rest for 24 hours. No, like this is yours and this is yours from the moment it came out. And now this is a part of how you're going to go about dealing with everyday life. Yes, you're tired. Yes, you're exhausted. Yes, it was painful. But this is a part of parenting. <laughs> like this is now part of the the role. And I know some people might disagree with me, but I, I stand firmly in the belief that I believe that rooming in is a great thing and it is helpful for a lot of for that bonding aspect and for mothers and babies and for people who are having children. Right. And let's just go back to basics. How about asking the parents what they want? Most parents want to be in the same room as their babies. And if you don't, maybe this is where you need to ask your extended family to help out for a little bit. Like, it's just a natural part of the bonding experience to be with your baby during those first few hours and first few days. And honestly, like, if you're struggling with it at the beginning, I think this is where you might need to ask for help or find your community and figure out long term, like, what is this going to look like if you if you're feeling that way right from the beginning? I think this just is a bigger discussion to be had. 
Well, I mean, I think the other people, the other thing that people would have to understand with rooming in, it doesn't mean that nurses don't come and help you. It's just, right, it's right. just you're kind of there and you're, you're, you're now immersed in this experience of having a newborn baby and we're there for additional support. So like if you need us, we will come and help support, whether it's through breastfeeding support, whether it's through, you know, doing our postpartum checks, whether it's just asking questions because you're a new mom whatever the case may be but it's to help kind of transition you home so it's it's not that we're all of a sudden you know we're we're you're there and we just don't do anything we're complimentary to help support you to transition you home and I think that's kind of the idea people need to think about it as opposed to you know I'm paying for this and I deserve to have this extra 24 hours of support Again, our models of care are very different in the can- in Canada versus the U.S., where some people may not have all of the, um, I guess, the benefits afforded to them, and th- these costs can drive up, and it's just like it's just a different environment. But I think that you know, rooming in is a great idea. But really, back to this whole conversation about abuse in the NICU. One of the things I found very, very distressing was, you know, this is like one case of many. So I started to dig and I started to see that there were other cases that had had occurred. So I read one about uh, in Wisconsin where a hospital, a uh, federal investigation actually occurred where they said this hospital actually did not do enough to protect newborn infants from abuse. And this was an, a report that the U.S. media had received. And it said that they saw five infants were found with unexplained injuries, ranging from bruising to skull and arm fractures. It said documents showed that the hospital did not take action over the suspended abuse until last month. So this was in 2017 when two babies were found with more additional bruises. Again, this is where I'm kind of like wondering, like, how do we ensure that, you know, you're coming to a place, you're coming to a hospital, you're vulnerable. Babies are are the most vulnerable. How do we ensure that we protect them when they're in these hospital walls? And then this particular one was really harrowing to me when I, I, I read what happened at this this particular Wisconsin hospital where it said, here were the timeline of events. So it was, it was happening very, very quickly. So it said like February 2nd, 2018, there were some interviews that showed physicians and nurses were concerned about all this unexplaining bruising that were that they were seeing on this infant. On February 3rd, there was more unexplained bruising that was found on the right arm and the left wrist of another baby. So like a different baby altogether. And someone said, oh, it's attributed to blanket wrapping or swaddling. And then on February 4th, 2018, staff notices some more bruising on the first baby's face. Then on February 7th, a lump was found on the baby's head. February 8th, CT scan showed that the baby had skull and arm fractures and a child abuse expert was called and then the nurse was finally suspended on april sorry on february 9th madison police was notified and internal and an internal investigation begins like this is crazy so essentially the hospital was determined to say that they failed to develop and implement effective policies to prevent screen and identify and train and protect thoroughly investigate and report and respond to any allegations of abuse and i really hope that this hospital where this had occurred um will take huge measures and steps to prevent this because the fact that this is something that occurs is insane it is I just never thought that this is something that actually occurs regularly enough that we need to have all of these different things in place. It just, it breaks my heart because at the end of the day, these are the most, most vulnerable patients that we have. And the fact that anybody can act that way towards these little babes just is mind boggling to me. 
it's really, really disheartening to think about that particular story and how much actually happened before they took action. The fact that any baby would have a broken bone, there is nothing in the normal procedures that we would do that would cause a broken bone. I, I suppose if there was a really traumatic birth, you know, a collarbone or whatever might have been fractured, but like in the NICU itself, these babies are just lying there. They can't even hardly move. And that that just really, really hits home because I think about all the times that I was working in the NICU and we didn't have any policy or procedure around staff injuring patients because it just never occurred to us. We were taught actually how to look for signs of abuse from parents, not ourselves. But I think this is just goes to show you that nurses can fly under the radar in these types of situations because they're never suspected. They're always thought to be able to provide the care that really they they should be providing. And this also kind of makes me think back to uh, our good friend, Bruce Sackman, who investigates uh, serial killers. And he talks about how, you know, when certain nurses are on, the death rate would go up. And when that certain nurse wasn't there, it would go down. I kind of wonder in this particular case, like when that certain nurse worked, did injuries go up that were unexplained and maybe when they weren't working they would go down and people just couldn't figure it out until they realized the common denominator was that nurse well i mean i get i guess that's kind of what they figured over that period of days but again like it wasn't even just the fact that there was a broken arm there was like a skull fracture so that just makes me think like did did this nurse drop the baby clearly probably something like that happened and the fact of the matter is like i know you kind of mentioned that we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't have cameras and we shouldn't police these types of environments but it's like what structures do we put in place to protect these babies like i i can't believe that this happened and we should never even have to have an episode where we're talking about abuse that happens in the nicu because again Imagine that none of this was cap captured. None of this was caught. You go home and then you start seeing challenges or things with, with your baby. You have no idea why. And it's because like of these types of incidences that happen. And again, we're supposed to be the most trusted profession. Nurses, healthcare, we're supposed to be a profession where folks trust us and trust us with their lives. And hearing stories like this, again, brings out that mistrust. And this is where I felt... Actually, how I first caught this story was through a nurse's TikTok and and essentially she, well, I don't know if she was a nurse, but it was through a TikTok. And this person's like, oh, here, here are some stories about horrible nurses and how nurses go about doing. And essentially her whole TikTok was just about different nurses across different countries and different uh, places in the world that do horrible things. And the fact that something like that has to exist is is so heartbreaking because at the end of the day, we should be caring about patients and families and patient safety. The fact that we need to put these structures in place are sad, but if we need to do it, we need to do it. And if hospitals out there are listening, this is maybe something people need to start thinking about. How do you ensure that the folks that are working with these, these babes are are doing it in a way that is safe for the patient? And again, if there are suspects or, or, or if there are, you know, you, you might suspect abuse, how do you go about investigating that in a timely manner? Because, you know, what was this? One, two, it was like four or five days in between and a lot really transpired and it could have ended a baby's life. 
Right. And, and I think that with that many people involved in the unit, someone must have seen something. So I think we need to create systems where people feel comfortable to bring these concerns up about their coworkers, you know, about other members of the team. Because with that many instances happening, I fail to believe that no one saw it until the very last one. And it shouldn't take that much time or investigation to determine that these injuries didn't occur on their own. Clearly, something really traumatic happened. We don't know the long-term outcomes for this poor baby. Like, who knows what's going to happen if there was brain damage or whatnot. And it's it's really sad to think we live in this day and age. And obviously, this is a very isolated incident. But I also wonder um, if this nurse needs ma- anger management. Like, I don't know what was going on. They, we never really got her side of the story. And I would love to know what she has to say. And she's probably not talking about it right now. Maybe she's bound by some legal stuff going on. But I would love to hear her side of the story. I really would. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'll i be honest, I think her side of the story should come out in a court of law. And I personally think she should be she should be prosecuted. I mean, of course, it's alleged abuse. It's a video. She was terminated instantaneously when when um, the hospital administration got a hold of the video, and further investigations are underway. But I mean, again, they say it's alleged, but I just if, if it is what it is, what we've seen, I think she should be punished to the full extent of the law. And this person should never work in healthcare again. Like I think to myself, when how many how many babies have I been involved with their birth? They're slippery, whatever the case may be. And I am just super careful. I'm just like, there's no way. I can't think of a situation in which I would ever flip a baby like that. Like the I thought to myself, I'm like, in what situation ever might I flip a child in that manner? And there was not one. I was like, the only way I could see someone flipping a child very quickly is if they were choking. That didn't look like a proper, like, you know how it looks like when you're doing a neonatal flip. Like you you have your hands positioned and you're going to just move the baby very gently. You're, you don't want to like cause like contra croup and coop injuries by shake, like essentially like shaking the baby by flipping them in that way. I just don't see any any rhyme or reason as to why that happened. So again, like, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not interested in her side. Of course we do. There are always, there are always, there, there's a legal process for these things. And I think that they should go through the legal process. And, you know, um, personally, I mean, could you imagine if that was you and you saw that happen to your baby, how you'd respond? Like, I think, I remember, I think I read that the father said that he's really lucky (laughs) that um, his wife was there or his partner was there to essentially kind of been like, don't go to jail today. I couldn't imagine if that was my child. Like I, I, I definitely would have confronted her like that mom did. And just, just even that, just even her, uh, her apology saying, oh, I, oh no. Like if you think I mishandled it, anything, your baby or mishandled him wrong, I'm sorry. The other piece I want to throw out there is the fact that this couple was racialized too. Yes. That's um, what I was going to mention. Again, when we talk about these statistics in terms of neonatal mortality and infant mortality we do see that in racialized communities that these numbers tend to be higher and it's just 
seeing this and knowing that they both were a racial a racialized couple or interracial couple just makes me feel even more icky about the situation feeling like there might have been other things at play as well yeah i have this sense that you know they're not taken as seriously for sure um and there are other confounding factors like if there's a language barrier if you can't even communicate what you saw then i feel like people won't take you seriously and if you look and act a certain way, you get treated differently, and it shouldn't be the case. We talk about health equity. The key word here is equity, and we're not seeing that. And I feel like we are supposed to be seeing improvements, and if anything, we're seeing treatment get worse. So how do we kind of start to break this down and really make it a priority for hospitals and for organizations to make sure that outcomes are equitable and really just to make sure that these stories get shared widely like I think in this case it was but who knows there might be hundreds of other cases where they never made it to the media. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think this is where we have to have those really challenging or courageous conversations in healthcare about racism. It is a part of the way that we end up delivering care and i mean that in the sense that racism impacts the way that someone can deliver care if you don't if you don't see someone fundamentally as a human being or you disregard the fact or you treat them in a particular way because they're they are of a different ethnicity because again i i always preface this by saying race is a social construct and it's created to other people and if you go about living your life in this manner of course, it's going to affect the way that you perceive and care for somebody coming into healthcare. And we have to have these conversations. We have to ensure that the people are coming into these working environments do not hold these types of beliefs. Again, yes, it's hard, but it's a part of the work that needs to be done. And I don't remember talking about, again, racism as a social determinant of health, where we know it is now in our nursing schools. But this is something that needs to come out because it is a huge problem. Like, would she have handled did she handle other racialized babies this way is there more investigations do they need to look back into time to see how she interacted with other other babies i think these are all valid things that we need to look into and again we just need to start the conversation because i i wonder if it would have been different if the baby was of a different ethnicity Right. And I think just going back to some previous conversations about race-based data, I would love to know in these sorts of abuse type situations, what the breakdown is of ethnicity of patients mm -hmm. that are abused, because I have a feeling it's higher, but like, let's, let's go to the evidence and let's see what the data says. What, what do you think, Amy? Yeah, I, I, th I probably think that the data is out there. We didn't, we didn't pull anything, but I do know that, for example, for infant mortality, um, neonatal rates, that we do see those higher rates um, disproportionately impacting racialized folks, whether it's, you know, black or indigenous or, or Latino folks, those numbers are much higher. And again, it, it's, it's very concerning because of course they, their, their death rates are higher as well. And, you know, it's, it's even worse when someone in healthcare is a part of perpetuating and increasing those rates as well. And it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking and something needs to be done. So hopefully maybe the next thing is to investigate if it, if it was a hate crime, it's hard, it's hard to know that. But again, that's through having conversations and finding out why the nurse did what she did and why it occurred in the first place. But again, I think the, the next thing is like, so what are the next steps? What, what, what do people need to do to ensure that, uh, babies are safe in the NICU? Well, I think first and foremost is really having 
that communication. So in, in this particular case, we know that the nurse was in the wrong. So I think this should be part of her record, really, because what we've seen in other cases with even the medical serial killers is that they're able to go from one hospital to another to another because none of the hospitals want to get involved. So the quick and dirty way to deal with this always is to fire the nurse. That's a short-term, easy solution. So that's what hospitals tend to do. But in terms of the follow-up to make sure this doesn't happen again, I feel like everybody's like, you know, I've done my job. I've made sure this nurse doesn't work here anymore. My job is done. But that's not the case. Like we need to come together and make sure that this pattern doesn't occur like we need to stop it and I think the only way to stop it is to make sure that there's actually a record written down somewhere so if this nurse were to go find another job in another NICU they know what's happened and we can stop this from happening again so I think that's the main thing and if you ask if you ask me if this was my baby and let's say my baby was injured my main thing is making sure this doesn't happen again so I think like just by doing that and by us sharing the story and trying to amplify what's happened, I think that's the other thing that we can do. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally think that, yes, she's fired, and I think she should never, ever have the opportunity to work in an NICU again. I think that maybe maybe this is Amy being tough on nursing crime. I believe <laughs> that she should never uh, hold a nursing license again or work with vulnerable patients. Um, I think this should be a huge strike on her record because clearly she cannot conduct herself in a way that is of a professional manner to work with vulnerable people. I mean, if she could do this to a child, she could do this to an elderly person. She could do this to someone else. So I think for for a healthcare or, you know, working with vulnerable populations, it should be a big, eh, not a chance. The other thing is hospitals need to, you know what, maybe it's never happened in your hospital or you don't think it's happened in your hospital, but this is where I think hospitals need to start taking proactive steps to ensure that there are policies and procedures in place to investigate in a timely manner any types of suspected abuse within their their walls whether it's in a neonatal facility or whether it's in you know a medical surgical unit what are the steps that you have in healthcare to prevent these things from happening and how do you make sure that you're investigating these things in a timely manner and the next piece is involving the law um i think that i hope that the families uh one uh press charges on this nurse and two, sue the holy hell off of her pants. Like she should not be able to get, like, I mean, what she did was unconscionable. Again, yes, it's alleged. I'm going to continue to lean into that. But at the end of the day, what we saw is what we saw. It's, it was very, very clear to me. And I think that, you know, you can't go around working with people if that's the way that you're going to treat them. So I, I hope that the family takes some legal action. They'll never, they, they may never get the answers, but I, I really hope that for one, the baby is safe, that they've done any investigations and made sure that the baby will live a healthy life and um, that the family gets whatever compensation they rightfully deserve if there, if there are other things that they deserve compensation for. Because if... Again, if it was me in this position, uh, I would be raising lots of red flags and asking for how the hospital as a whole is going to make quality improvement initiatives to ensure that this never happens again. Right. And I think just on a systems level, like you and I have been through accreditation many times. I've never seen this as an outcome measure. No. The f yeah. Right. I think this should be a never event. So never events are things that should never, ever happen, such as uh, the wrong leg being amputated um like right, right. like babies being switched at birth i think this should be a never event to never have any 
instances of staff abusing their patients. And if we could make it part of something like accreditation, then it's actually on everyone's radar from a systems level. And maybe you you do get dinged if this occurs and it's time for your whatever every few years accreditation process. Like I think it's we just have to take this from all different levels. And that is one way I think to get leaders to listen, like at the higher level to make sure that they understand this is not just some little case where we're worried about, you know, this one-off incident. Like we need to make sure that this actually, that there's some lasting outcome and that we really prevent this from happening at all levels. I completely agree with you, Sarah. So one shout out to baby, I believe it's baby Nico. Um, I hope that you're doing well. I hope your family is doing well. And I hope that you thrive and you you become a champion and out there advocating for, you know, babies everywhere. It doesn't matter. You don't have to do that, but I hope that everything is fine and that, um, you know, you do the best in life. And the other thing is hospitals. If you are listening, uh, hospital administrators, managers, what policies and procedures do you have in place right at this moment to prevent abuse from occurring in your hospital? And not only what do you have in place to prevent it, what steps do you have in place to measure and prevent it from occurring? And what steps will you take to ensure that it doesn't happen ever again? So here, those are our calls to action. Sarah, do you have any additional calls to action? Yeah, I just want to let everyone know who's listening that if you do want to share a story, please reach out to us. You can go onto our website, greetingnurse.com. You can send us a message. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, we've got a new YouTube channel out. Make sure that you subscribe and uh, follow us that way. If you're listening on any of the major podcast platforms, make sure that you subscribe and leave us a review. We always want to hear feedback. Thank you so much for listening.